Chris, y'all good? Are we gonna be able to even start this thing up? You got some some laughs going on there. You got to get it out. Get it out. Come I'm on. We got to recap Jason Ethereum, right, Mr. Crypto? Yeah. <laughs> no, Jason Therian, uh, episode eight recap. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll be Monday the 10th. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my baby sister, Gianna. Gianna Bella is turning. Happy birthday. 17. Yikes. You're my youngest old. of four. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Same age. <laughs> Chris, what'd you think? Jason Therian, well, what'd you think? I I really enjoyed it just because I, I've known... Not on a per- super personal level, but I met when I met Jason back in my senior year of college, uh, back at BW. There was just something about Jason that, I re- that really resonated with me. It, um, he's obviously a very savvy entrepreneur. He has good head on his shoulders, and he's got a really cool company. Like our company culture is amazing, and like how he runs his company is pretty similar. His building is just really cool. And we didn't even get to talk about the whole time machine thing, which I was a little upset about because we could have talked about so much more, but I really wanted to harp on that point. But if anyone goes to um, the website, the ThunderTech website, and they're going for a job interview, right? They want to do your research. Well, on the website, you see one of the promotional videos, like what is ThunderTech, who are we, and everything. Well, it's like a seven-minute video. And the minute five, it completely gets derailed where they talk about like, oh, yeah, and we got this time machine here. And then they just go talk about a time machine for like a minute, minute and a half. And then they end the video on like back to the relevant information. But they do that tactically or strategically is a better word because they want the interviewer to know that they've done their research. They want to know that they've, you know went to the website and watched the entire video mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm pretty sure that video is tucked away like on one of the different pages because I was looking through the website trying to find what it is you saw and it was like on the resources page or about us. Like it's it's a couple pages deep where you have to click through and actually find it. So that's kind of interesting that they do it. It's almost like a pressing point of like, hey, in the interview, we know whether or not you actually did your research on our company and like went through the website diligently and watched the videos because it would take you a minute to actually find it. Exactly. I like the one part where he talks about like how he runs his business with his with his employees where hey, we have you on a rope. You, we can't push the rope, but we can pull it back if you get too far off the edge. I love that. You I know? thought that was so cool. Yeah. And it's just really to help spur that that entrepreneurship and that creativism. You know what I mean? Well, he's a, he's placing trust in um, he's placing trust in his employees and the people that they hire. It sounds like obviously they have a pretty like strict and strenuous um you know, hiring process mm-hmm. because he said like, you know, we just, we don't hire prima donnas. Like we hire people who are only going to contribute towards the overall morale of the company. So if that's the number one thing you're focusing on, I think training and just, um, you know, product knowledge or whatever it is they do is easy to give to somebody and have them acquire, uh, who's already on a good page mentally and like a good, uh, culture person as well. Mm-hmm. And then being able to give, I like that too. I mean, you can't, push a rope, but you could pull it is essentially just giving the freedom to say like, Hey, go out there and and learn what it is we do and put yourself out there and try it and, and come up with new ideas. What can we do better that we don't know about right now? Let's be innovative with certain things. And if it's something where you get off course, okay, we'll bring you back a little bit, but giving them the freedom to step outside of what their, I guess, initial comfort zones, comfort zones are, even if they're implicit and they're just put in there because you walk into a job and you think, Oh, I have to stay confined, like within my area of what mm-hmm. I do. Most companies, I would say nowadays, at least I hope so. I know we're spoiled to be in a place where our ideas are receptive and they're heard. Um, 
our managers are receptive to our higher ups are receptive to what it is we have to offer. Even our CEO, I mean, Heschel talked to us and if you bring up an idea, he's, he listens. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really does. And he might even implement it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he certainly does. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I, and I think that's awesome. I think that's super innovative with a lot of companies. And if you're not doing that, you have to be doing that nowadays because do you think that's a trend? Do you think that's a trend for a lot of businesses now? They kind of follow that, that kind of model. Cause I feel like you, you look at companies 50 years ago or so it was very like hey this is your job do your job don't go out of the lines do you think that's more relevant today as in the creativism that you're allowed to express now i would companies? hope so i don't think i can give anything back data as far as like yeah just is. i would say so for, yeah yeah i would yeah if if i was going to make an inference on companies across the board i would say so yes just because of where our society has gone with being open to a lot of different things yeah for people and them expressing them themselves and their ideas and a lot of people also having the opportunity where they could just go do things independently now. I mean, it's so easy with the internet. I don't care what job you do. As long as you have the certification and like, you know, it's different with us. You have to be backed by a surety bond and certain things. But at the end of the day, most jobs you can go and just do from home. Especially, or after, especially after COVID. Exactly. So I think if you're in the office type aspect or, or just in general with the company, it is well more understood now in 2022 than ever before that you have that mental okayness that he talked about where it's like your your employees feel okay to be able to bring an issue to the table or a new idea that might be innovative to run a process better um yeah didn't i think you those say are heard google did an internal an internal case I, study i messed up exactly like who it was he's the one that corrected and, and brought up the exact word it was like yeah. the mental okayness or the mental fitness or whatever it was you have Psychological, psychological safety, safety. Okay. yeah and that was i want to say it was luptac that gave us that talk at the end of 2019 um that talked about that about how companies like that's what it is they're going after now you know to make sure the psychological safety that you feel okay to bring up an idea that you have yeah and they and don't even have he said he keeps overhead very tight mm -hmm. like they don't they don't hire a ton you know, I think I think they're under 100 employees total mm -hmm. or something like that. But the resiliency of their company has been able to stand for the last 22 years, 23 years now. Since 99, yeah, is when he started it. You know, so obviously they have, they've changed their business models and everything, but they kept their core culture, which I think is really cool. So Chris, remind our viewers again who it is we are and what we do. Hey guys, both Dominic and I are loan officers here at Liberty Home Mortgage. So if you or anyone you know is looking to purchase or refinance a home, please email us at the Elevate Clee podcast at gmail.com. Subject line, looking to purchase or refinance a home. Email's in the description. They had to go ahead and, and become more resilient after COVID. Like I like the story that he was telling about his one, his one, um, his one guy who um, went to Colum goes to Columbia for a month. Oh yeah. I just think that's awesome. I think that's really cool. And you get different perspectives. Like if you're out in Colombia, like, you know, obviously it's very different than the United States, but who's to say you won't get a couple new perspectives because you went down there. But again, that's him not pulling the leash or pushing the rope. Mm -hmm. He's letting him go. Mm -hmm. And what do you say? He, tr he put, the, they had the trust, they trusted the guy enough to go out there and do it, gave the okay. And the guy didn't skip a beat. He said, you know, 
which then I guess allows the opportunity for other people to feel like they could do that as well if in that position and they're going to be a little bit more receptive to it. To know that you can, I think like one of the the the, the best things about working for Liberty Home Mortgage and like what would be if I worked for ThunderTech is feeling like I can walk into a company and like, trust me, there's a level of professionalism in anything that you do. But just knowing that like, I don't have to change who it is I am. Mm-mm. Like that, you don't, you don't have to conform. That psychological safety of that right there is I like I don't have to act prim and proper to a different way of who. It, now, of course, when you're talking to clients and different people, until you build that relationship, of course, there's some sort of uh, presentability that you have to have in your presentation with professionalism and this and that. But once you kind of get on that level with certain people, and certainly the le- the the level that we're on with some of our like higher ups or just other employees in the office, where you realize like, okay, these are they're humans too. They're just people like I would, you know, same different different stories, but just, you know, same worries, struggles, this and that in life, you you come in here and you could be a little bit more vulnerable and be open with people and realize that you don't have to change or conform as much as you would in some sort of like maybe corporate places where you're suit and tie every single day and mm-hmm. you feel like, oh my God, I'm so constricted. These people don't actually know who I am. You go to a happy hour with them and they're like, oh, this is dominant, mm-hmm. you know, versus mm-hmm. like, you know, you could step out for a dinner with somebody now from our company, I feel like, and it's like, they know who you are. Exactly. You know, that's what I like. And there's I feel no, like there's what, no peeling back or anything. Yeah, 100%. I feel like that's what Jason has helped create in his culture as well. And what I also like, too, is I don't even think, like, he's the main source of the culture now. I feel like he, he's, like, removed himself from a lot of things. He's he trusting his yeah. offices to just run it, mm-hmm. you know? And I mm-hmm. think that is so cool, too. I think out of all the people we've spoken to so far, in a similar type situation like him, he has um, shown the most detachment from his processes I think so. as well. I think so. You know? Yeah, I definitely. Think I would have loved to have get not, gotten gotten into more what it is he specifically does day to day because I'm sure he's not the one out there actually like designing web pages and this and that. Um, I know you're saying like you know higher up like around the main people he does a lot of the onboarding and stuff like that. But uh, overall, I think he was awesome, absolutely mm-hmm. awesome, humble guy as well. We talked to him a little bit after about his like diversification as well with the other stuff that he's in that he mm-hmm. mentioned to us. I, I thought he was awesome. I had a lot of fun with him. And we could have gone for so much longer. JCU guy, I mean, I guess you guys have a lot to talk about. What do you That's think right. of his bricklayer story? The bricklayer story, yes. Um, you know, I think it's not that I would argue anything, but I could see why there's different aspects just from working with Matt Lovetech, like on disc training, you know, with the four different like types of behavior generalizations that you see across the board with people. People have different outlooks on things. I get 100% where he was coming from with that, and I do agree. There's people where I think you want, you know, the third guy where he said, like, oh, I'm building the Coliseum or whatever. Um, Cathedral. The cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, you want that message across the board, like, to see the bigger picture, to feel like, you know, you have a hand in what is going on. I get the message behind it, and I think that's absolutely awesome. And that should be relayed because you should feel like with what it is I'm doing, it's playing into something that I might not even see a week or a month or a year down the road, but this is the overall picture of what it can be in time mm-hmm. if you put in the steps now and lay just this one brick as best you can. Was there a but to that or? No. Oh, okay. It sounded no. like you were saying like, I like the perspective, but. The only thing I was saying that could be a but is like some people like that we learned. So like, okay, the D's and the I's, your dominant type individuals and your influencer people um, as far as behavior wise, and you can break down specifically what those are, but just generally speaking, if you look at disc, what that's saying is those people are more so bigger picture. So those, those type behavior individuals are very, they look at bigger picture much, much more where your S's 
and your C's. What do those stand for? So the S's is going to be steady relator. These are more so like your analytical people, like Steve Greenwald, think of like he's a high S, okay? Um, and then your C's are like your compliant, where they're more so like by the book. They want to like, like those are your people when they're on the phone and you recognize it's a C, like, and they say, hey, let me think about it. Don't rebuttal them. Let them think about it. Yeah. Those people think more so about the processes. They look so more small picture. They're not seeing the big picture. They want to know step by step every single thing they're doing where a high D and I, like you and I, mm -hmm. we can, we can look at it now and say, Oh, it's the journey of 20 years of our career where the S's and C's are like, okay, but right now in the moment, what am I doing? Yeah, that makes sense. That's all I was saying with that. I would, I would argue like you still have people that are analytical like that, that still dream big. You know what sure. I mean? They still have like, if you were to think of like any tech company that has a technology background, not ne they won't necessarily be you know the high D or the high I. Mm -hmm. They're going to be more analytical. But I think the point is that there is an end, they have an end goal in sight. They don't mm -hmm. know what it one hundred percent looks like, maybe, but they're going to work just as hard as anybody else on great. that on that platform. One hundred percent. But yeah, I I think the story is awesome. I think it's great, and I think you have to have a clear vision. Um, mm -hmm. I like what Gary Vanderchuk talks about. Um, one of his um one of his like little clips that I saw where he was like, you can't expect as an employer, you can't expect your employees to work as hard as you. Mm -hmm. You ever seen that before? Mm -hmm. I think that's resonates with me really well, just because in terms of leadership, you have a vision, but it's not necessarily your company's vision, your, your, your employees of your company's vision. You have to be able to give realistic yeah. goals to them to motivate them to get to work. Cause not everyone's like you and I, like, some people look at a job and it's just a job and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Like not everybody has to say like, oh, I, you know, I love what I do in, but you know, yeah. you know it's what I mean? stepping stone or I'm going to get to this point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I think it's bad if you want to like force those onto people where you're just like, oh, don't you get up every morning and just feel so rejuvenated and blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't know, man, like not everyone feels like that. Not everyone's in that same position. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I work this job because it pays well and I get to be able to work my hours and see my kids on time every day, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to necessarily 100% love what you do or see that vision. It's just... Yeah, maybe they have a hobby that just lights them up more and the job just funds it. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily a hobby that they're looking to try and make a million dollars off of or be the next, you know, Etsy star. Yeah. Um, But maybe it's just something... It's Again, people have different they have different values and standards in life and your expectations of what it is you even want out of it. Not everybody has to come into the, to anything in business and think like, Oh my God, you know, I have to be the next Heshigafi or Jason Therian or Marcus Ogden or Matt Harris or Zach Buckeye. That's not the case. You could be Zach yeah. Buckeye's, you know, Baker. You don't have to be his partner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be the next Marcus Ogden. You could be his cameraman. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that goes kind of back to the mimetic theory that I was telling you about for that the oh, book yeah, wanting yeah. which you finished it right i'm like the last 20 pages it now uh, it wasn't too big it's like close to 300 but it's not a huge not bigger b bigger bigger words <laughs> so it wasn't too bad overall good though overall amazing and if really. you can't just tell everybody like in short what is essentially the mimetic theory and so why the mimetic theory was founded by rene garrard he's a french i mean he's he's a historian philosopher um he's polyglot um, he died in 2016, I think. He was um, Peter Thiel's um, mentor. And um, basically what he talks about mimetic theory is, you know, we're brought up in the society where you're always kind of like modeling after other people, you know, where it's like, 
okay, do I really want to make a lot of money? Is that truly my desire? Or was that a desire that was planted in me back when I was, you know, in second grade when I saw my uncle make a ton of money and then he told me like money is like the end all be all. So now, now I want to make a ton of money. And it's hard to model that like, even even with goals, like when you're in first grade, what is your goal? That's uh, to get to second grade. Okay, after second grade, what's your goal? To get to third grade. You know what I mean? And what then, your parents do or say. Exactly. And those goals are kind of instilled in you from even an early age. But you kind of, again, to your point, you compare to other people like, hey, do you want to make a ton of money? Is that Or is that just what somebody's telling you what you want? Yeah. You know, and then you kind of, but then it, it reiterates to, Hey, I see my colleague, he's making a lot of money. So that means I want to compare myself to him and make a lot of money because that's just what I know right now. You know what I mean? So my medic theory is just kind of breaking down, like what, what are your de- true desires? Why do you have them? And if they are truly yours, go ha- how to pursue them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, does the book give a call to action? Like, is that the, is it, is the basis of the book just essentially to perform or I'm sorry, is the basis of the book essentially to inform? Does he give a call to action to perform anything like, Hey, analyze what the hell it is you even say you want and try to find the root of why it is you even say you want that. Is there somebody or something or some sort of domestication? That it's, you a lot of, way it's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of anecdotal, um, parts of the book, a lot of narratives and everything. Um, like for like, I don't know, like one, one story they were talking about was, what are they called? Like the freedom, the freedom flames or something. It's basically when they were saying like back in the 19, 1920s when women weren't really, it was seen as more taboo for women to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy who's a huge marketer back in the 1920s was like, well, how does, you know, the big, these big tech tobacco company that he was working for, how do they make a ton of money? How do they make more money? Well, they were like, well, there's this huge demographic of women that they could buy cigarettes, but it's so taboo in our society for women to smoke cigarettes that, like, they don't buy them. Well, they were like, well, what if we just end up, oh, the freedom torches is what it's called. So they were like, well, what if, you know, down on Thanksgiving, they, you know, the, during the Thanksgiving parade in New York City, what if we just have, like, a bunch of um, famous women show them smoking cigarettes? Then all of a sudden it's, it came as, like, a... It came as not, it was perceived incorrectly where they were like, oh yeah, we're taking it back. Like, you know, we're like, we're smoking cigarettes because we want to smoke cigarettes, but that and wasn't you felt like empowered almost. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it was really like the cigarette company was the tobacco company was making more money because now they have a huge demographic that's doing that. Yeah. So it gives a lot of narratives like that as well as just, it doesn't really give a platform or a call to action necessarily, but maybe I haven't gotten there in the book yet, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I could talk about that a lot. Amazing. It, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, it somewhat relates to a book I'm reading right now by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., uh, the son of the guy who wrote The Four Agreements. His son wrote this book called The Mastery of Self. And essentially, it's just talking about like how to master over your spiritual higher self, like essentially to tap into greater you know, peace and freedom in your life is to let go of domestication things. And domestication is things that you grew up with and that were implicitly taught to you, right? So for example, like you say, is your goal to make X amount of dollars in a year due to the fact that implicitly you saw your parents struggle financially. So you think the way to save that is to make all this money. Mm-hmm. Well, he goes deeper in it in the sense of saying like, okay, down to your core spirit, 
is that's a form of domestication that you saw that now taught you that you're chasing something and believe that it'll give you greater fulfillment. Is that something that you think is going to actually save you from anything in life? Or is it something where it's, you know, kind of a crutch that you're just hanging on to versus looking within yourself to say that like the money, whether I have it or not, is not going to save anything outside of myself, yeah. essentially. So it's pretty cool. We should have talked to Jason about that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> Dude, I'm, again, I'm telling you, I mean, I feel like he almost made the offer after of like, you know, we could continue at a happy hour. I wanted to be like, <laughs> all right, when, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, I would love to chat with him more, man. I feel like he's, he's the kind of guy where we, you can go grab a beer with him at, um, you know, just somewhere, anywhere. And uh, you could hang there for a couple hours. Yeah. Shoot the shit with him. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Elevate Cleveland podcast. Dominic, wrap it up for us. As Chris stated at the beginning of this podcast, we are licensed loan originators for the best mortgage company in the land. That is Liberty Home Mortgage. Guys, if you or anybody you know is looking to purchase or refinance a home, doesn't, doesn't matter if you've done this one, 10, or 100 times, call us, email us. The email is in the description below. Reach out to that email in the subject line. Put looking to purchase slash refinance a home. Whatever it is your goal is, Chris and I will reach out to you within 24 hours, and we look forward to helping you with whatever it is your specific home goal is. Thank you. Well, next Tuesday we have Marissa Sergi from Luva Bella. Yes, yes. That's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be exciting. Young woman, entrepreneur, very successful. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. looking forward to it. She has an awesome story that I think is going gonna, is gonna to hopefully inspire a lot of young folks out there. I think so. Good deal, man. Anything to wrap up? I mean, let's just go kill it. Cool. Awesome. Good deal. Episode eight, Jason Theron recap. We appreciate all viewers, and we will see you here on Friday at 10 a.m. when we talk to Marissa Serby. See you. <laughs>